1: Covering the
0: sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on vSIN, the sports betting network.
2: We begin our number three, Betting Across America, presented by Bet MGM, Dave Ross, alongside Amal Shaw. We are here at Circus Sportsbook as Amal gets a nice swig of Let me ask you this question very quickly before we go into some of these exactas that you can get here in the marketplace before we get to Monday night's national championship game. You know, we we talk a lot about Kay, of course, John Shire. I think we've had some good insight. We had Steve Wiseman on in the uh, first hour, if you missed it, uh, Duke beat writer, about how Shire really has been in these kind of intimate moments with Kay this year, right? As he's going to be the head coach, as you mentioned, John Shire could be the head coach of Duke basketball tonight. That would sound great. It could happen tonight. Nobody's like thinking in those terms, but you're exactly right. It could be tonight. Hubert Davis, the silent partner in all of this equation is Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen Roy there, right? But very out of the scenes, right. uh, behind the, the, the curtain, if you will. What do you think – is does Roy still have an impact, not just from recruiting, but an actual tangible impact on this Carolina team? I, I don't think so. I think he's a hands-off
3: in this situation. But remember the one thing that gets forgotten about Hubert Davis. This is a guy that had a long and distinguished collegiate NBA career. Great player at Carolina. Better than a 40% career three-point shooter in the NBA. Knicks, baby. I mean, so it's not like he doesn't have the pedigree and the knowledge. The reason why I ranted about him and said he should be fired is I don't believe Hubert Davis, even if they win the national title, is going to be able to close kids in the living room. Give me John Calipari. Give me the guys with the personality, Bill Self. Give me Jay Wright over Hubert Davis. Recruiting is about personality. And to me, I just don't see it translating. You look at the recruiting class they had last year, ranked number 54. Now, granted, they only brought in one kid. But I think he can flat-out coach. I think that's a misnomer. And and a lot of times, there's a lot of guys I know in college coaching, they couldn't drop a play to save their life. Mm. But they can sell in the living room. And that's what it's going to come down to. I, I think Carolina's got a shot here. But again, Love and Manic have to shoot the ball well. I think Duke can play their B game and win, but I think Carolina's got to play their A game to win.
2: Carolina plus 475 to cut down the net on Monday night as national champions. Look, you know how this works them all in narrative street and sports, right? You can go back to, say, when the Buccaneers won their Super Bowl uh, with John Gruden. They said, well, he did it with Tony Dungy's guys, right? That wasn't really Gruden. That was... And so they're going to say this about Hubert Davis. Well, wow, this is Roy's guys. These are Roy's kids, right? But K is going to get all of it. Again, I go back to Georgetown when Big John, John Thompson, God rest his soul, when he stepped aside, and then went to Craig Esherick, and then after Esherick, JT3 came in. And whenever they had a modicum of success, they all still wanted to point back to Big John, that he's got a hands-on in the program. When does that stop? When does this become Hubert Davis' success and John Shire's success? Well, for me, John Shire starts right away because you're going to
3: have a roster turnover with Duke. And you've got three top three recruits coming in next year, including uh, Tariq Whitehead, who's going to be a sensational player for this team. They're going to probably wind up with three guys going in the top 15 of the draft wow. the following year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's easy for people to do that. I think that's a lazy narrative. I don't totally. think that's accurate. Um, look, my criticism of Hubert Davis has nothing to do with whether they succeed or fail this year. I'm looking at a guy I want to come in there and has the personality to be able to bring players in. I think Shire has that. I don't know about with Hubert Davis. Look, Kevin Ollie won a national title with John, Jim Calhoun's players. He did. Okay? And Kevin Ollie's no longer coaching at UConn. Um, so, to me, it, it comes down to uh, what, what do we see in year two? What do we see in year three? Remember Mike Davis took over for Indiana and went to the national championship game against Maryland? Mm-hmm. I think that was 20 years ago this year. 20, 2002. It was, right? And so... You could have success, but here's the problem with the tournament, and this is the criticism Bill Self has gotten, Matt Painter's gotten. I'm not picking on Elliot, or who who's a big <laughs> Purdue guy, but I said Elliot before the tournament, I think Purdue's got top seven, top ten talent. Absolutely. Win, but I said the coaching and the team is too stiff. They don't believe in themselves and their ability to win. I look at KU. Bill Self's had teams that should have won, but they weren't able to get it done. Now you've got an opportunity where they're capable of knocking off the other three teams in this tournament. Can they deliver when the chips are down?
2: Kansas, by the way, plus $1.80 to win the national championship. Duke plus 160 They are the favorites, obviously. Carolina, again, if you think they can win two plus $475, Villanova, the longest of the long shots. I had them pre-tournament. I don't, I'm looking for a hedgeable scenario here for Villanova they can get to the national championship on Monday night, plus five dollars. Again, you can't count on injuries. It's a bad luck scenario here when you lose. A player of the Cowboys of more with that starting lineup and losing 15 points per game. But it is interesting because you look at the heavy hitters of coaches. You mentioned it with Bill Self, and we know Coach K, and certainly Jay Wright. And then there's Hubert Davis. And I wonder, you know, Hubert Davis has a huge chance tonight to say, not only did I beat, not Roy Williams, I beat you in Durham, and now I ended your career forevermore. I don't know if this would be like a Coach Gut scenario where he replaced Dino Smith. And Bill Guthr- Guthridge went to two Final Fours in three years. In three years, nobody, nobody it's almost like it
3: never happened. That's why I'm telling you the success of Hubert Davis right now,
2: it's got to be long term. Yeah, it can't just be this. Yes, but this is a could be a huge feather in the cap to say like it's still Carolina. If you've ever been down in that neck of the woods, and I did, I worked down the, that area, and you go in and you drive into Chapel Hill, and they got they got the you know the the Tar Heel on the streets. It, Okay, I don't know that the same is going to be the same for Shire. And you mentioned he's got a great recruiting class next year. I wonder if that's still going to be Durham. No disrespect, but if you know that area, Chapel Hill is – that's the marquee, and then there's Durham. Well, first of all, there's parts of Durham
3: that are not the best. That's right. And the other thing is that people forget about is that, look, Coach has built this program, but it's a small private school. Yes. There's already disdain for Duke – forget basketball. Just from the alums and all, there's a certain amount of arrogance that comes from Duke that people don't like in general. And I think that sometimes rubs people the wrong way. Carolina's a state school. When you look within that area outside of people that follow the Wolf Pack, people are probably Carolina fans that are just, you know, don't have any allegiance or affiliation with those three programs. Yes. If you're just picking on the basis of which team. The one thing, I I, obviously Shire has learned from Coach K to figure out which money donors and which bag men are going to get the players the right money. (laughs) The question is, is he going to learn like the rat to chew out the referees at an alarming rate? I got to tell you, as a fan of sports, I think it's so ridiculous the way coaches interact with officials. I think it
2: needs to stop. They should be tossing these guys left and right because this spills K, down. Kay's Spill. now warm and fuzzy with him. See, he's siding up to him. He's putting his Give arm around Give me a break. Right? Are he's you a, kidding me? Mr. Nice Guy now.
3: This guy is about as real as a $3
2: bill. <laughs> you know, it is interesting because, again, you mentioned it. it. It is state school there at Chapel Hill. I, it does show, though, if you remember the Matt Doherty era, that didn't go very well, right? So they had to get rid of Matt Doherty and then bring in Roy Williams, and then it worked. So even though it's a legendary program, always will be, look at Indiana. Sorry, Wes Reynolds. I hope he's not listening. But look at IU. Since Bobby Knight left, yes, they had immediate success with Davis, but then that faltered quickly. And I don't want to say they haven't been relevant, but IU basketball. I mean, this is incredible that some of these blue bloods are not blue bloods anymore. Well, first of all, kudos to
3: Tom Crean. I didn't realize somebody could be so incompetent and get so many jobs coaching. Uh, (laughs) But to me, when you look at it, they brought in Mike Davis. He gets let go. They bring in Tom Crean. He doesn't succeed. They bring in Archie Miller. They don't have the successor. Now they bring in one of their own, and Mike Woodson. Remember, played for Bobby Knight. This program seems like Solid it's on the right year track. One. Yes, Solid absolutely. Year one. Um, to me, with Hubert Davis, look, great start. He comes from coaching under Coach Smith. Coached on the bench with Roy Williams. So things are trending in the right direction. Sean May, Jeff Lebo on that bench. Both guys, Carolina guys. They understand the Carolina way. I think there is something to be said for. When you have have a program that has had the success that North Carolina's had, going back to Dean Smith,
2: and doing things a certain way, and having guys that have come from that regime, mm-hmm. I think it helps. By the way, if you think Carolina can pull the old, the, the longest long shot of the board for the exactest, is Carolina to beat Villanova 12 to one? And I'll tell you this: like I think Villanova can win this game today against Kansas. I'm not such a believer in Carolina, but if you are a Carolina guy. I think they can beat Villanova, in that, which would be a great rematch that we just saw not too long ago.
3: I, I think that, for me personally, I think the Kansas-Villanova game is a little bit of a tighter matchup. I hope I'm so wrong on this Duke game. But to me, I think if the name didn't say Carolina on the jersey, Duke would probably be about a five-and-a-half, six-point favorite in this game.
2: Yeah, there is that recency bias. And, and again, you mentioned it here with some coaches going back to the Dean Smith way. And I always kid you when you bring up Jim Beheim how they have to run him out. Like, I shudder to what Syracuse basketball will be without Jim Beheim because I'm telling you them all, I lived in Syracuse. There isn't anything else to do. And when it's cold, it stays cold forever. It's going to be tough to get those kids to come to upstate New York and play basketball. I know the Dome is the Dome, so that's a good selling point. But, like, it's not Carolina. It's not beautiful. It's not UCLA. It's not some of these other schools you go, man, I want to go there because it's beautiful all the time. Yeah, but – let me put it to you this way. Tom Osborne,
3: Dr. Tom Osborne, got people to come to Lincoln and win, okay? Mm-hmm. Lawrence Phillips was from L.A. Uh, Tommy Frazier from Bradenton. The Peters brothers from New Jersey. They brought guys from all over the country. If you win, you could have a team in Kabul, and you'll figure out a way to get players.
2: That's the bottom line. Do you remember when Beheim started recruiting L.A.? He had a kid. Jason Hart? And Earl Dunk City Duncan. Got him out of L.A. He couldn't dunk, by the way. It was the worst <laughs> nickname I've ever heard. He could not dunk, and his nickname was Dunk City. It was Stevie Thompson, if you remember? They got him yes. out of California. So, like these pipelines exist. You remember? I'm old. Bobby Kremins, when he was at Georgia Tech, and he's getting New, New York City point guards, right? So these things that they've happened historically. I just, I do, I worry about Syracuse. I don't worry as much about Carolina. I am going to worry about Duke a little bit. And again,
0: I know Shire's... At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.
2: Got him right away. But I wonder in five years what Duke looks like. I- I'm telling you,
3: I'm not an anti-Duke guy. I'm an anti-Coach K guy. I think Shire's going to have that program as a top five program. I don't think there's going to be a drop off. I, I think his youthfulness, his intelligence, his personality and the recruiting that they have. I think that it will sustain itself. I, I do get your point on Jim Boeheim because it's difficult to get guys. You're not going to have a lot of recruits come out of there.
2: They didn't get the one guy they should have from that area. Christian Leitner. He's from Buffalo, right? Don't bring that up. <laughs> Duke, by the way, if they, if the favorites win, Duke would be a one point favorite to bet MGM against Kansas Monday night. Almost pick rock chalk. Haw. When wins, we come though. back, we're going to dip our toe into the NFL draft, which is also... Beautiful. beautiful. I can I just almost said next month. It's this month. It is April. That's not a fool. We'll come back and talk. Who's going to be the first quarterback selected select? Come on back. Betting Across America on Decent, the sports Betting Network.
0: This is Betty Across America on vSIN, the Sports Betty Network.
2: Make your first wager and win big during BetMGM's March matchups. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 money line wager in any college tournament game. If any team hits a three-pointer during the tournament, you're going to win $200 in free bets. Just use the code MM200 when you register. Plus, you're going to earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses and converted into comps at MGM Resorts. Sign up today. Use the code MM200 to win $200 if any team hits a three-pointer during BetMGM's March matchups. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BedMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards, issues, non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw. This is Betting Across America right here on Visa. It's very interesting because in the break, we had one of our smarter brains behind the glass, come out and say them all. What do you make of the over of Villanova, Kansas? Because everybody's thinking, got to play the under, right? Villanova, 15 points taken out of that starting lineup. Can they can they defend? Uh, can they run with Kansas? No. So they got to slow it down to a, to a snail's pace here. Is that a trickier line than people might be looking at now at 132 and a half? Well, I think it's interesting. It depends
3: on it. you believe Villanova is going to dictate tempo, which I think they can to a certain extent. But both teams are good half court defenses. So if you have an opportunity to run, you got to get out and do it. Ku can get out and run, and I- I'm going to tell you, it's hard to take a Kansas game under this low of a number. You know, look at the last game. What they outscore Miami by in the second half by 32 points? As a historic performance in yeah. the second half. I mean, I-, I think it was what 47 to. 15 or something like that. It's ridiculous. And, you know, to me, uh, I, I don't know if I would touch either side. That's where I think the in game is such an advantage. I think the biggest thing, I get people all the time, they ask me, what advice would you give to somebody that bets? Or, you know, I would say, look, if you don't like a game, don't play it just for the sake of the action. Agreed. I mean, find something that you like and you think, hey, I'm confident this team's going to win. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come to fruition, but I, I, that's why I didn't play any of these games. Because either of these games, I, I don't
2: love one side or the other. Again, we'll see if there's any line movement as we get closer and closer to the first tip off in the national semifinal. But so far, those numbers pretty much holding. Again, we mentioned that the biggest move of the week has been the over in the Duke-UNC game was 151 for the majority of the week. And I kept telling everybody in every show we have here at Beeson, if you like the over, get it now. Because it's not going to stay, and it hasn't. And I I do believe it'll get to 153 pretty much market-wide before we get to that final tip of the night. Yeah, see, to me, that's a high total. The
3: One problem when you have a total that high is that it could potentially have a slowdown or a lull in the game. But both these teams are capable of putting up points in quickly. Um, I just want to see how the game plays out. I want to see how the game is officiated, right?
2: That's a huge part of it, too.
3: If they call a couple of quick fouls, as uh, was pointed out earlier by Steve Weissman, that if Baycott gets in foul trouble, it's curtains for Carolina. Um, If they're not calling fouls and you allow Baycott and company to do their thing, it could be a challenge for Duke. So for, for me, I think the opportunity is going to be in the end game.
2: All right. Later on in this program, in this final hour here, we're going to get your A-list here for the uh, for the final four. Can't wait to get that. And we'll take a look at those numbers and make sure they don't move. But it is April, and I can't believe it. The calendar is starting to fly. And this is what happens here after you start to have the – you kind of take your deep breath after football season is officially over. But it's never really over. <laughs> so now we have the NFL draft this month. Okay. And, of course, we've made mention of it several times. It's not a quote-unquote good quarterback class. We put that in air quotes because you never know. Some of these kids kids could turn out to be studs. It feels like the consensus now is, and you have to look for dance partners in the top ten, that the number one quarterback to come off the board is between two guys. It's between Malik Willis out of Liberty and Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Somehow his hand size got bigger. I don't know how that works. And then you look at the long shots that you have on the board. Matt Corral's coming off a bad injury that he had in his bowl game. Sam Howell, it almost feels like if he could have come out last year, that number would be much, much lower. And then Desmond Ritter, I don't know that he did enough either way in the Alabama loss when you look at a really good defense in college to get a read on Ritter. What do you make of the top two? Do you think the chalk is the right play that Malik Willis and I'm hearing some rumblings Carolina could be in play, and we don't know what Carolina is doing right now. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what their overall outlook is, if it's this quarterback class or somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think, to me, the two guys
3: at the top are going to be the
2: first two selected. I don't
3: know which one's going to go first, but I actually like Kenny Pickett. I think he's effective. He's got good mobility. Um, I don't think Willis is a bad quarterback. I love Matt Carouse's toughness. There was a play, I think, against the Razorbacks on a two-point conversion attempt. He almost got decapitated, but he still kept going to get the two points. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, I think Howell, I, I think Hal may not have the arm strength that you desire, but I like his moxie in the pocket. I like his mobility. Um, Desmond Ritter, I'm not as high on. I, I think he, of the five guys, is not a guy that I would look at taking that high. I think Hal and Ritter dropped to the second round. Matt Corral's the fringe guy for me, but I saw a prop at, uh, on this one at three and a half, Dave. I would look towards the under in the first round, but here's why I have hesitation: because teams sometimes jump up to take the quarterback to get that fifth year, so they don't hit free agency in the four after four years. There you go.
2: You have a fifth year for players that are drafted in the first round, because that's a great point. Because a lot of these guys are projecting to be projects, right? So because they're not going to start right away, that extra year could be huge for the teams to keep them underneath their thumb. When you talk about Matt Corral, and I wonder if I just said. He reminds you of X. I'm going to give you X. I wonder if that's a positive or negative. Because to me, I see some Baker Mayfield in Matt Corral. Is that a plus or a negative if I make that comparison? Well, I'm
3: not thrilled with the Baker comparison. Um, I, I think Corral has got great leadership qualities. If you look at Ole Miss and the way that team always rallied around him,
2: I think he's got a fight in him that I don't see out of Baker. Well, let me, let me uh, backtrack, counselor. I will say that Baker coming out of college, coming out that's, of Oklahoma. You know
3: what? You're correct on that, and I think I'm being a little bit biased in terms of what's happened with the Browns. Right. I would I would
2: agree with that. I, I think that's kind of plant the flag, guys rally around you. Plant Maybe them. not the biggest guy in the world. Matt Corral's size could be an issue, kind of like Baker. So that, that, that's what I mean. Like the, Baker had the X factor coming out. Corral's injury is going to hurt him in this process. But I, I do see some similarities there. Now, hopefully he projects better in the NFL. We'll find out if Matt Corral can do that. And now it feels like Baker Mayfield has almost become a cautionary tale.
3: He really has. I, my concern for Corral is in terms of throwing the football with accuracy, not tremendous arm strength. Uh, but if he can overcome those things, I think just some of the toughness he has. I got to tell you, I said this during the season last year. Matt Corral is probably the toughest guy I've ever seen play quarterback. Wow. He just absolutely would get killed out there. I mean, the offensive line was blocking at times like they hated him. And and to me, he just always was in the fight. He he stuck it out. He's the kind of guy I thought if you played on the right team, they could have been a national title team because of just what he brings to the table. He's got great mobility. You could put him in the run game and utilize him on some pitch fakes, and he could keep the ball. Um, I'm a big Matt Corral guy, but I, I don't know if any of these guys are franchise guys, but here's the problem. Okay. So many quarterbacks that get drafted get anointed being X, Y, or Z. You know, Trevor Lawrence, until probably week 15, 16, and 17, didn't look like a guy you go, wow, this was a surefire number one overall pick. Justin Fields at times looked like he could play. Other times you're like, yeah, you know what? He needed another year, and his accuracy is never going to improve. Mac Jones looked like he could make every seven yard out, but he can't throw the ball deep. Tua looks like a shell of what we saw at Alabama. Boy. So there's a lot of guys I can point to that didn't materialize. I think a lot of it is just... You know people's opinion in terms of hey this team thinks he's a good fit. How do you see it?
2: And I, I'm just I'm kind of taking a cautionary tale on these QBs. You know well, I'm gonna be honest with you I, I didn't see this coming that the first overall pick right now the favorite is Aiden Hutchinson at, at minus two fifty and I go boy that seems a, a significant move in the last month. Now I don't know if he's grading out better all of a sudden, but you know the Ohio State game like I, you look at certainly the national the uh, the national semifinal against Georgia he got bullied. Like, I, I, I didn't know he played. He wasn't there. He Oh, he, oh he did play. Yes, like okay. that. I'm with you. Like all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be. This is the best and the number one kid to come out of college this year. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I said this before the season.
3: I'm going to stand by this. I would have taken, and I still would take Kayvon Thibodeau over
2: everybody in this draft. He is, by the way, thirty to one. Kayvon Thibodeau to be the first overall pick. Again, minus money, minus 250 is way too hefty a price tag for me for a kid that when I watch you get dominated against Georgia. Dominated. You're going to see a lot of Georgia guys and Georgia-level guys at offensive tackle in your NFL career.
3: I, absolutely right. I, I mean, to me, he was a complete no-show in that game. And, you know, Thibodeau, when you look at it, he was third last year in pass rush effectiveness of getting back to the quarterback or putting a pressure on the quarterback. Um, he had some injury concerns. I get that. And there were some question marks. Oh, does he have the motor? Does he want to do this? Or is he more worried about his brand? Look, I- I've seen him play with injuries. You put on the tape on this guy. He's a game wrecker. He reminds me, maybe not at the same level coming out, but of a Chase Young type. Oof. I mean, he, he this guy is a difference maker. He didn't even play in that game against Ohio State, unfortunately, due to injury. But I, I, I love KT. I think he's an absolute beast.
2: I, I kind of right there with you. And again, I do like Evan Neal at uh, about 12 to 1 to be yeah. the first overall pick. Uh, look, I'm not a GM. That's probably the way I would go. It feels like the safer pick. And at number one, I better get a stud and a guy that I can't miss on. I'm not saying you're going to miss on Hutchinson, but I think there's bigger question marks there than there might be with a Neal and even Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that's an excellent point as well. When we come back, you ready to do your mall um, in? We're going to do uh, your A-listers that like you it. have in college basketball. We're down to four. Come on back. It's Betting Across America on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is Betting Across America on VCN, the Sports Betting
1: Network.
2: Wendy's breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. they got oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a simply OJ to bring it all home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru. Pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Dave Ross, alongside Maul Shaw, this is betting across America, right here on Veasan. You know, Maul, it's like doing this show with a star. People are banging on the window to get your attention, and I think you've got. who what, what well,
3: you we we, we, on we, we only have a K we only have a Ku legend here with us, Rock
4: one of the all time hey, greats, Paul, we can Paul share Pierce. Paul Pierce joining us. Paul Pierce joining us There you go. Hey, what are the chances? You got the troop in the house. Listen, if you want a guaranteed bet today, Whoa. Kansas all the way. I, I, don't, I don't disagree <laughs> with you. Here's my, here's my one question to you that's more important.
3: I don't care who wins this Final Four as long as no, it's no. not puke. Puke, okay,
4: I can't stand the rat. I love Bill Self, I covered oh, him in man. the Big 12, great guy. No, listen, I'm gonna tell you this as a, a Kansas alum Bring it. and an NBA player. Players in the NBA hate new players. Thank you. No, I will tell you that. But you have to admit, this is one of the great Final Fours. If you look at these programs. Yes, yes it is. Like from top to bottom, Villanova recently, they won, they won the top programs. But historically, if you look at these teams, it don't get no better than this. Every team here has won at least three national titles. Yes, and so I'm excited for this
2: weekend. I'm here at the circuit to hang out. <laughs> that's awesome, Paul. Wait, we <laughs> got to ask you though. <laughs> All right, uh, with, with Bill Self, because it felt like this Kansas team. Maybe Remy Martin, kind of that injection in the mm-hmm. You've seen a difference now. Yes. What what flip? What, what script did they flip in that second half against Miami? Can they carry the that defense, over?
4: The defense. That's what it was. The defense. They got out and they started running. So look. Villanova likes to slow it down. They're a great defensive team, half court. They're good. We got to get out and run versus them. So if we we get out there. (laughs) But, you know, if we get out and run, we force turnovers, and we rebound the ball well, we should win by at least 15.
2: I mean,
3: that is the truth, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I got one hey. more question before you get out of here. it. All right. I, I said the key to this game is not Obaji, it's not Remy Martin. They're gonna do their thing. For mm-hmm. me, Christian Brown and Wilson are the two guys that need to step up. One of them has to be the third score because I think they're capable of
4: putting up fifteen plus yeah. if they're on their game. Well, you know, Kansas is a balanced team. You know, they don't have one guy that actually right. really stands out. So they need, it's gonna be a collective effort. And it's all about the defense, man, because you saw that second half versus Miami. Mm. If they force turnovers, like I said, it doesn't matter. I, I think it's going to be an under, too. I think this oh, is an under. Oh, wow. I so think this is an under. Low-scoring game of Kansas. Kansas wins. with the under. You I heard th- it here first from the truth. Kansas is. and the under. Paul Fierce,
2: great having you come in, man. Really <laughs> right. Thank it, man. you, man. That's appreciate so it. So it. Right, man.
4: <laughs> and who said yeah. – Email y'all the link so you
2: can pass. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy hey, the game, Engel, what up to no good yeah. in the house? <laughs> there it is. You Dude, never know what's going to happen here. It's a book. As Paul Pierce just comes in, he's got, of course uh, big Kansas rock chalk Jayhawk guy. Boy, it feels like yesterday we were watching him play in Star Kansas, and, and certainly the Boston Celtics. But he his point about Kansas running, but also defense. Kansas can do both of those things. We don't talk about it enough because we talk about Villanova and the way they have ball security, limit possessions. Kansas clamped down on Miami. Miami could do nothing offensively in that second half. The problem
3: sometimes when you have great teams offensively, they get forgotten about how good they are defensively. But I mean, when, when Villanova was hitting threes a couple years ago and win the national title, everyone said, oh, they're such a great offense team. You know what? They defend. Right. And you don't get to this level unless you play defense. Look, Duke got stops when they needed to against Texas Tech. They did it against Michigan State in the final five minutes. Carolina did it against UCLA when they needed to. Teams have the ability, if you want to win at the end of the day, you got to make
2: stops on defense. What was amazing is Paul was not in a seat. He just took a knee, and he was still at head level with us. (laughs) That's how short we are. Uh, Let's get to your A-list here for uh, most outstanding player candidates that you see in this Final Four. And obviously, the shortest odds in the boards are going to be the bigger stars. But give me your list of guys that you really think at a good price value that could really shine. Well, I'm going to start with North
3: Carolina. Caleb Love is at 20 to 1. Brady Manick's another one at 20 to 1. Dave, I think these two guys have had great tournaments, but Love to me has been the difference maker. He has an opportunity to potentially be the most outstanding player in the tournament. So actually, we're seeing 22 to 1.
2: Manick at 16 to 1. Look, when you look at the mop list, again, that's the most outstanding (laughs) player, not an actual mop. And you can understand why Powell is going to be the short guy, Collins is going to be the short guy for Villanova, and so is Agbaji for for Kansas here. But Remy Martin is a guy that kind of does stand on, on your list that I see here at plus nine dollars at nine to one because he's been to me the real difference maker. Agbaji really throughout the regular season was the best player. Remy wasn't there. Now he's back, and I feel like maybe he's taking a little bit of that shine away. But it's a good thing for Bill Self. If you go based on the first four games for KU, Remy
3: Martin is their MVP. It's not even close. Now, the thing where I think he makes a difference is, to his credit, he doesn't come in right away like two, three minutes off the bench. It's about six, seven minutes. Kind of sees how the game develops, and then he gets in there. And, Dave, I don't know if there's a defensive player in this tournament
2: with the other three teams remaining that have the foot speed to stay in front of Rami Martin. Mark, Mark Williams here is 18-1 for the Dukies. And we've talked a little bit about NBA players. And I look at him, and I go... My good, he looks like an NBA player. Now, I don't know how good offensively he's going to be next level, but right now at this level, yeah, he's just a punisher. Do you think he's got a shot as a long shot to maybe cash that ticket?
3: Yeah, I, I think it would be tough, but I think he's capable because if he puts up a five-block game in one of these two final games, definitely a chance there. And, it, you know, the one thing I'm not 100% certain on, but I've always seen it seems like the voting is based on what you do in the two games in the final four, but it's my understanding that it encompasses the six games.
2: Oh, instead of just the the final four. That's the information I was given. I don't know if that's accurate. I thought it was the final two games. Okay, because if it's just the final two games, then this is kind of open season for all these guys that we're giving you. But it's a great distinction to be made. And obviously, when you look at some of the other names on this list, and you look at Samuels for Nova, and we mentioned Gillespie as the the shortest favorite here, eight to one, if they win it. But what about Samuels here? Because now somebody else is going to have to pick up that offensive slack. It can't all be Colin Gillespie. You got Samuels at... 12-1, Twelve to one, and I know you like him a lot in this in this potential final four.
3: Yeah, I do. I think he's a terrific shooter, great at the free throw line, experienced, very calm. The one thing, Dave, that I love about Gillespie, he doesn't get rattled, no matter the
2: situation. Always, always even keel. Kind of embodies what you see out of Jay right on the sideline. And again, you look at some of these other names that you have on the board. Look at Roach at twenty-two to one. Now it felt like he just had a big second half against Texas yeah. Tech to really burst on the scene. And the reason why I would bring up these numbers is, you know, Powell is going to be the, the short favorite at 3-1. to one. But past that, that's why Mark Williams was the second guy. And then you had uh, you had on your list here, you got a Roach. Do you think he could have two games, if it's just the, these two games, and really be showcased enough at 22-1 to, to to maybe be an ultimate sleeper for the Dukies?
3: I, I think so, but I still think it's going to be Bancaro. But I put Roach on the list because he's played extremely well, hit clutch shots, made key plays for them. Uh, and he's capable Dave to me when you look at the small sample size anybody can step up. I that's, mean, right. it, that's why I think the long shots here have great value whereas in football we know generally speaking it's going to be a quarterback running back or wide receiver for a defender to make the make the MVP or get the MVP they have to have such an elite game. It becomes much more difficult, whereas here, anyone can do it.
2: You know, again, I'll go back to 2003, and Carmelo Anthony was most outstanding player for Syracuse, but you could have given the award to Jerry McNamara, who had seven three-pointers in that final against Kansas. But to your point, it encompassed both the national semifinal and the national championship game. So it's just not that final game. So for your A-list that you have here, you also have to project who you think is going to win. I don't want your official predictions just yet, sure. so we're going to get that, to that in the next segment. But that's part of this equation, right? Before you make these wagers at the numbers that you see, you have to think, which teams do I actually believe are going to move forward to Monday night? That's a huge part of it. It really
3: comes down to which team do you think is going to win today, the two teams. Uh, that That is absolutely instrumental in that. You bring up a great point there. By the way, i got to give you credit for something. In Between the commercial breaks and the show itself, you have managed to reference that 2003 Syracuse National Championship More times than I have the Ohio State win over Oregon in the national title game. But I digress. Nobody
2: remembers that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have to. I only have one to really look back on, so I know it well. It was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a game. But again, that was almost 20 years ago, which is absolutely bizarre to me. Okay, uh, when we do come back, we are going to take a look at these numbers, see if anything has moved here. But again, we're getting closer and closer. We just mentioned, we just had Paul Pierce hop in here, the truth uh, from Kansas. And you're starting to see this pick up. And now, again, this is my – I've been to a final – to many Final Fours, but one in Vegas yesterday, ironically 2003, when Syracuse did win that. So that's got to be my eighth reference. But now this – look, at you can just see here people going to the window mall. Vegas is back. The National Championship is back. March Madness is back. This is Vegas on steroids when you have a, a day like today.
3: It really is. And the best part about being in Vegas instead of being at the Final Four – when you're at the final four, people are cheering for their team. When you're here, people will be pulling for Duke potentially in the first half. They
2: might be pulling for Carolina in the second half. I mean, it just depends on which side of the ledger you're on. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. We know that Paul Pierce would not be one of those guys. Again, Paul yeah, exactly. Pierce, the truth is he gave right here live, he says take Kansas yeah. and the under. Yeah, Those are his plays here. We'll get them all his plays. We'll give you our thoughts when we come back. We have one more segment to go, and we're getting so close to the first tip in the national semifinal between Kansas and Villanova. That's why Circa is starting to fill up as we speak. So don't go anywhere. We'll take a look at those last line movements and maybe some first-half thoughts that we're going to see in these games as well. Come on back. It is Betting Across America right here in Beeson, the Sports Betting Now.
0: across America on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Come on out. Everybody else is. You can convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resort properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw. This is Betting Across America. As we are getting close, I mentioned it in the last segments. So you can feel the energy in the building. Paul Pierce just hopped on set with us, yeah. gave us his take of Kansas in the under. We're not seeing a whole lot of line movement now. And, again, I think your advice to the better out there, if you don't have a strong take on it right away. and really-
0: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
1: The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
2: We are decided in your stance. Wait in game. That's the beauty of in game wagering now, certainly out here in Las Vegas and BetMGM to get a flow for how the game is, one, going to be called, and these cavernous arenas sometimes, sometimes the shooting, it takes a while to adjust. And we've seen this in NCAA tournaments past. And again, right now we're seeing Kansas still laying about four against Villanova in this first game. The over-under said right around 132.5. But I'll give you a quick
3: example from last night in the NBA. Denver's laying 3.5 against Minnesota. At one point, they're down 14, or excuse me, uh, 12. You could have gotten Denver plus 7.5 in-game. They end up down another nine or ten in the fourth quarter. They end up losing by five. So if you took an in-game number... That middle. Yeah, absolutely. You got a great opportunity from a from a standpoint of getting a better number. So for me, someone who hasn't played the games, either of them, I would wait and see, hey, maybe, you know, let's say Villanova goes down 15-4. to four. Now all of a sudden you might get Nova in there plus nine and a half, mm-hmm. eight and a half, whatever it might be. You take a shot with a better number. Similar situation with the Duke-Carolina game. Duke falls behind early on, and you're like, hey, I, Let's say Duke falls behind 16 to 8. Now, all of a sudden, you got a chance to get Duke in a scenario where
2: you're getting him at a pick and price or something like that. What are you going to look for in game number one here? Is it going to be more about tempo? Is it going to be more about the officiating? Is it going to be how the rotations for Jay Wright? What's the number one thing you're going to keep an eye on early? Can the Villanova
3: offense be effective against this Kansas defense? I'm not worried about Kansas offensively. I think even at times they might struggle a little bit against this Villanova defense, but can this team overcome? Justin Moore not being in the lineup. I think that's going to be a key. Look, Samuel's got to play well. And then do they wind up in late clock situations? The problem with potentially, everybody's talking about like they're going to just hold the ball for 20 seconds. No, you're not going to do that because Kansas' defense is good enough where if you do that, you're going to be really putting a bind offensively.
2: Yeah, four and a half, 132 and a half here at BetMGM. We're seeing some fours out there. I think the fives are long gone. So this is probably going to be the best of the number that you're going to get going forward. You know, Jay Wright didn't have a deep bench to begin with before you lose more. How does that impact what you think they try to do today? Because, again, I think if you're Kansas and Bill Self, you use that blueprint of that second half against Miami and say, Miami didn't turn it over. We turn them over. Villanova doesn't turn it over. We're turning them over, kids. This is how we're going to win this game today.
3: Well, I think Miami is not as effective at Villanova in terms of guarding the basketball or protecting the basketball. Let me say that. I think that when you look at this Villanova team, they're used to playing tons of minutes. This is what they've done all year long. They've always had shorter benches. Remember, Dave, during the tournament, most teams generally go to a shorter bench. If you're playing nine or ten guys during the regular year, you usually see maybe seven, and eighth guy if there's foul trouble. That's right. So I don't think this comes as much of a shock. I'm not worried about the short bench from a fatigue standpoint. I'm worried about the short bench from two factors. One, if a couple of guys are struggling to shoot the basketball, and the second, if you get into foul trouble. I think... Fatigue-wise, you won't be concerned. Three to three and a half minutes are the TV breaks. So that's plenty of
2: time for in terms of being able to get rest. You have not played this game yet. You may play in-game. But if you had to give out what you absolutely think would be the, the right play, whether it's the side or total, which way would you go?
3: I would go with Kansas. I think they're a little bit too deep, too talented for Villanova. And the one thing I'd point back to, Nova's been better the last two months of the season. But go back to the early part of the year. Baylor, Purdue, um, another game that eludes me right now. They have struggled against better opponents whose talent is either at their level or better, mm. and I think that'll be the difference because Kansas's talent is actually better than Villanova's.
2: All right, let's get to the game that I look. I, I'm not a Duke fan. I'm not a Carolina fan, mm-hmm. but it, it's if you're a fan of college basketball, there's just no way around this. That it could be the most highly anticipated Final Four matchup of all time. I think you make that case. That this Final Four, not National Championship, but Final Four matchup could be. And again, as somebody with no dog in the fight here, I cannot wait to see how this plays out because of all the storylines that go with it and whether or not Hubert Davis could be the guy that ended Kay's regular season and end Kay's overall season. That's it. And put him out to pasture. And John Shire becomes the head coach tonight. How do you think this first half is going to play out? Because I do believe Duke's going to come out and try to put an early blitz on Carolina. I
3: I tend to agree with you. I think uh, it's critical for Carolina to survive the first four minutes. I I think Duke's going to come out very intense. It it really comes down to, can you knock down your shots and then defend on your end for Carolina? I'm not worried about Duke, regardless of how they start, but I believe they get off to a fast start in this game. And I think your play in terms of the first half, Duke minus two and a half is not a bad one at all. I generally don't make first half plays. Mm -hmm. I like to look at a game for an entirety because let's say you struggle a little bit. The KU-Miami game is a perfect example, right? They're down six at the break. You could have gotten KU second half for the game plus two or one and a half. Yes. Now, all of a sudden, they end up, they end up covering. But I, I just want the better team, especially in a scenario where it's winner-take-all. Um, I want the entire game for 40 minutes. I believe Duke is the better team for 40 minutes, so I don't want to get beat over 20.
2: If the game, and we always talk about the officiating, how it's called, again, if especially for the in-game wager, it, does it behoove Duke? if this game is is loosely officiated or they want it tight.
3: Well, they want it tight. They tend to get more calls, right? I remember in 2014 I'd bet Wisconsin to win the national title when when the Rats said oh, they only got called for three fouls. Uh buddy of mine, we both had the same bet. He goes, "We got to take the other side." You saw in the second half, it was a it was a parade to the free throw line for the Dukeys. And that's the one thing here. If Carolina gets in foul trouble, again, they don't have a ton of depth either, just like Villanova. That would be a concern. Um, but I don't think you'll see generally speaking in the final 4 Elite A type of games, the officials don't make themselves a part of the
2: equation, at let's, least at least in the past, generally they haven't. Let's hope not, yeah. because I don't think that's what people, like, and I get it, I saw some people put out there, I believe Duke's had the free throw advantage in every game in this NCAA tournament, yeah. but I've watched every one of those games, yeah. and I don't think these have been poorly officiated to the, you know, that they're the trying to push over Duke to get to the spot. I think they've earned everything they've gotten so far. Do you disagree with that assessment? No, I agree with you completely. And I think when you
3: look at it, that, that argument, I think, is can, can be made when it's at Cameron Indoor. I always yes. say before the jump ball, you start with t- 16 fouls if you're the visitor.
2: <laughs> uh, by the way, they are taking the floor right now uh, in the big easy as Villanova and Kansas uh, going through their warm-ups. So, again, those numbers have not changed as of right now. So we're still seeing about uh, 132.5, 4.5 for Kansas as they get ready to tip. Um, very quickly getting back to the Duke Carolina game because I do want to get an official prediction from you. We mentioned how this total has climbed up and is now up to 152 and a half. We don't like to we never advise you to chase bad numbers out yeah. there because you could have gotten that at 151 earlier in the week. And I again was saying if, if you like the over here, which I did earlier in the week, grab that number then. To somebody that's now hasn't played it yet. Is that number now too high, or is there a number that gets there where you go, nope? This is a pass for me.
3: Yeah. yeah. Was, the higher you get up on these numbers, it becomes much more difficult. Um, but I, I think, look, if at 152 and a half, you really like this over, I, I would play it. Here's my argument. If you liked it at 151, you had to get it to 152 to win. That's right. Can you eke out one more point? Now, it's easy for me to be flippant and cavalier about it because I, I didn't bet it. But all of a sudden, if the game lands
2: on 152. Oh, my goodness. Right? Then you're so, sitting there going, oh, my. Yeah, how did I not get this earlier in the it, week with exactly. was 151? Exactly. But, uh, no, exactly. It is it is the difference of one point because, yeah. to your point here, you were looking at, at 152 when it was at 151 to win that wager, not push it. Yeah, you know, for a total,
3: I think it becomes a concern if you're betting an over, if you're betting the under, hey, this is great. You know, if you potentially got it at 153, it's even better if you take the under. The one area where I don't generally get that concern is when people go, oh, Team X was open as a two-point favorite. Now they move to a plus two. I said, you know what,
2: what was the goal? You are betting with them to hope to lose by <laughs> one point in that scenario? What do you make of the side, though? Because, again, Carolina now getting four and a half. So, no. Duke money does look like, if it's a little bit, I don't know if this gets pushed to five. But it feels like there's going to be a lot of respect, obviously, with, with two very public teams.
3: Yeah, I, I tend to think Duke wins this game. And uh, when we had uh, Mr. Rude on earlier, he said, uh, this one's probably a seven to nine point win. I think he's spot on with that. I think that's where this game winds up. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be the Dukies by that number. And, again,
2: because I won't see you until then if – your predictions come true, and Duke does win, and Kansas wins. Duke, as we saw at BetMGM, right now would be a one-point favorite against Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Does that become a pick em by the end of the day? No, I think if anything, it goes to two in favor of Duke. Because the talent, even though Kansas has pros, nobody's got more pros than Duke right now left in this tournament. Absolutely right. They've they, they got one of the best players in Ben Carroll. Very quickly, did Duke have the most pros coming into the tournament? in your yes, estimation? Yes. Because Purdue had a lot of... Not, not as much as Duke. That was just a shout out for i sorry, Elliot. I definitely want to thank Jim Root for joining us, uh, Steve Wiseman for joining us as well, Mike Brannio for joining us, and Paul Pierce for just hopping on the set with us. I'm um, all a lot of fun for the last three hours. I'm um, all I really enjoyed it as well. Thanks everybody for watching. Getting ready for the first tip right here at Circa. Don't go anywhere. We we'll got you covered all afternoon long right here on These and These Sports Betting Network.
4: Make your... Make your...